0: Good evening, once again, everybody. We are back with the question hour. Question hour. And uh, we got loads of questions. And most of the questions are, like probably we will discuss tonight, are very serious questions dealing with family, marriage problems, divorce, abortion, suicide, very, very serious, but real-life issues. Things which pastors don't like dealing with, but have to deal with. And we truly, truly pray, God, give us wisdom, discernment, how to answer, and my heart breaks. When I, I do not know most of the people who have written these questions, but I see what you're going through, very, very painful, sad. But uh, it's a God who has promised us he will never leave us nor forsake us. He will be with us till the very end. Ultimately in life, we have one absolutely, totally loyal, faithful partner. That is Jesus. Amen. And he will walk with us till the end. So even before we begin this session, I would like everyone who's online listening, to commit yourself into his hands. For the end, this is, this is not a program. The entire purpose of all that we've been doing these 43, 44 days is to bring people to Christ. We don't have solutions. There's only one who has a solution to every problem you have, and it is Jesus. So before we go to the question hour, shall we look to the Lord in prayer? Father, this evening once again we come to you, Lord, and we pray for wisdom and discernment from above, and we pray for comfort for those who are listening, especially those who ask these questions, that the hand of God will be there upon them; they would experience your presence of your Holy Spirit. You are the balm of Gilead. The one who heals, you are the deliverer, once who sets captives free, you are the rock. And if our lives are built on you, when the storms come, we can still there be standing, unshaken, immovable, steadfast. So we invite you, Father, to this Q&A session. Be with us here, be with all your children everywhere, Lord. Youngest to the oldest. These are very serious issues of life. and We need intervention from you, Lord. Reach out and touch your people, even through the answers. Thank you, thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Yes, Pastor Vijay, we'll start with one of the lighter questions
1: of family. Yes, simpler Mm. questions. So it's uh, a question from, I think, one of the parents. Mm. Praise the Lord, Pastor. I would like to know what to do regarding children's clothes and toys, which have pictures of Batman, Barbie doll, unicorn, Pokemon, etc. Do they put a spell on them? How do, how can we protect ourselves? Should we discard them? Mm.
0: I'm not being legalistic or rigid about any of these things, but also we have to tell you the truth that the more you keep our little ones, as such the world has getting more and more wicked, more and more things, more and more adultery. As far as we keep our little ones free from it in the beginning, it's easier for them to navigate through it. Mm. Yes, a lot of occult is happening. Uh, right now, I can speak about, like, I'm totally cut off in so many ways from the world, so I don't know what's in the market and uh, what a kind of stuff that is sold. But of the list you have mentioned over there, let's talk about Pokemon. And Pokemon is still popular with children. There was a time i know everything you needed to buy for the children they all wanted pokemon and pokemon was a japanese cartoon creation and pokemon is a short form for pocket monster this it's a japanese demon it's a demon that speaks japanese okay and we plastered all our children we need to understand why even the little ones on with the tiny ones went crazy over it and they would throw tantrums. Everything, their water bottle to their sipping cup, everything they wanted to be Pokemon. Hmm. So you need to realize Babylon is built on occult. And you want to sell products, they will go to any extent to see that the products is sold. That means invoking the demons. And that is where we as parents, grandparents, when we pick stuff for our children, we need to be very, very. There's no Batman in the Bible. Okay. We know the virus was created by a bat, and we are all locked in. And even the Batman is not able to rescue us from this virus. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the problem is. Bobby doll and now in the way how Bobby began and what Bobby has become. Bobby has become gay. Bobby has become bisexual. They're selling it all to the children through the where these things started and where these things have ended. And it is, there's no product practically well selling product in the system, which is also not a propaganda or an ideological product. Mm. They are selling ideologies and propaganda through these things so the simple thing is be wise in the stuff we buy for them and you know keep them out of it keep them out of it see even when we are growing up you i will tell you the effect it has on us like i grew up in a country which was absolutely totally cut off from the world practically cut off from the world and up in the mountains but every year a truck used to come from the department of the education which was for with the stationery and stuff for the school and i used to wait for those among them would be bundles of comics okay bundles of comics i mm. am talking about my days how even ideology propaganda indoctrination was taking place my childhood mm. that is we are talking about 45 plus years ago and the comics I looked for, three three comics were there. One was Phantom, the other was Mandrake, the other was Flash Garden. Mm. And if you know Flash Gordon, Flash Gordon was far ahead of its time. Yes. What Elon Musk is trying to do, Flash Garden had gone beyond that. We thought about it. <laughs> okay. Mm. But let's talk about the one which I l- liked most. That was Phantom. Phantom is... Uh, this. Is, I didn't realize this was propaganda. Phantom is... This person, the ghost who walks, wearing his mask and all, and he lives in a cave, and he's got the strength of 40 elephants and all that stuff, but he's living in Africa. And whenever there is trouble between all, I can still remember Wambisi and Ilongo tribes and all that, I can still remember from childhood, all that was our bread and butter, we used to wait for it. But the whole idea was a picture that was being sold. Here is a whole set of illiterate, ignorant black people, and you need one white man to protect them. Phantom, who maintains peace and everything over there, he's white. The rest are all black. We didn't realize, even through comics, the same propaganda was being passed on. Passed on. okay? And you have the other one. In the other one, you have the secret Illuminati society run by Hojo. He, of course, you do not know him. There is Octagon. And then you have uh, man- Mandrake, right. the magician. Of course, he is white. And he's got this bodyguard, his friend. He, of course, he is black. Black man has muscles. The white man has brains. And there is secret society that controls everything. We are talking about 45 years ago. Hmm. And we do not realize until you came to Christ and you actually truly comes to Christ and you see that these are all hindrances in you loving people, accepting people, all have been created by God. Hmm. It's the image of God and how these stereotypes get into your heads. Hmm. So we are talking about this has been going on for years. And now that we are wise, we have come to the Lord. We understand how the kingdom of God works and there is no such things in the kingdom of, of, there is no divisions. There is no barriers. If any man is in Christ Jesus, doesn't matter the color of his skin or of his status of his education or position in the world. He is a new creation and he is the son of the living God, daughter of the living God and one family. When you look at all that, you need to realize, you know what? Let my child grow free of prejudice. Amen. And the power of occult. And not be part of Babylon. Not be part of Babylon. Okay? And it is, it's, it's good to keep them simple that way. And explain to them. If you want to get them t-shirts and all of, go to the Christian bookshop. There are t-shirts. A little more expensive with verses on it. Okay? Keep life very, very simple with your children. But explain to them in a very loving, kind way. This is what it is. So that what happens is a day they will go into the world and we will not be there. But if we have allowed them to think without really knowing God, that they have to encounter on their own, think the way the kingdom of God operates, a day they will be like Joseph and Daniel in an incredibly demonic setup. They are able to simply stand there on the strength of their convictions. Amen. Okay. And Daniel stood there on a simple conviction about food this i can eat this i cannot eat what a simple conviction what a simple thing but that made him god's point man on earth at that time Amen. and a young teenager saying that no i will not do it i will not do it though his entire family history was messed up of those kind of things but he says no i won't do it a young teenager is able to know convictions and that's why we say when we do these things explain it to them we think children do not understand they understand very very well now they understand very well explain it to them that is why okay and uh, also like ask god they don't have to feel out of place with their children with the other friends and all so there are always neutral stuff like when i grew up i made my own toys (laughs) <laughs> to buy a toy and all were impossible i made my bow and arrow i made my guns i made my sword all with wood carved it all out my myself okay drew it all because that's the only thing you could do and used an aluminium thing to put a trigger and all that because we were all gun crazy <laughs> okay but we made and used my dad's old expired diaries leather this thing to make the whole stuff and walked around with that, even in the train. And my mother used to be so embarrassed and my father would say, let him walk around, walking around with a gun in the train from one compartment to another at the age of 10. And we were not ashamed. <laughs> okay. okay. What I'm saying is like, no, keep it simple. You bring in too many toys. You, You are actually parents who read to their children when they are very small. You will realize they don't need too many storybooks or too many stories. They want the same story read over and over again. Mm-hmm. It is we who spoil them. Actually, we are living vicariously. We want so many toys, so we buy so many toys for our children. At the end, we end up playing with it. Yes, that's right. Right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> oh, that's right. Okay. They don't. Once you spoil them that way, it becomes very bad very bad and just an addition to that also i will tell you to a lot of our parents us with small babies and i'm talking to my dear children daughters the mothers once children start you take them out and they start eating out they lose the taste for the home in the food in the home please remember there are two things the the mother's kitchen and the hotel restaurant. If you go to the hotel restaurant, you will see a board outside the kitchen, which is said no entry. Because they don't want you to see how they cook the food. Because the entire cooking is based on your wallet. They want your money. And they can get your money not based on health, but on your taste buds. So they will add anything to hook you. But the mother who is cooking in the kitchen never puts a board saying no entry. Everything she is doing is based on the health of the child. Yes, Health. The way she picks her vegetables, the way she washes her vegetables, the vegetables she chooses. Everything is based at the health of the child. But the problem is we are destroying their bodies by outsourcing the kitchen. And remember the body of your child is the temple of the living God that's what has happened in this 20 why do even why is so many people dying i just got the statistics of age-wise of the covid but why are people dying of covid it's got not so much with the virus it's because the bodies have been messed up totally messed up by the food we have given our children they don't drink water they are given all pop soda and all that is junk which doesn't quench thirst sugar levels are very very high and you know what I'm honestly telling you, there are very few delinquent children around. What the world is is full is delinquent parents. And parents need to sit up and take account of these things. Because when you stand before God, you will have to have a lot of questions to answer. Including what you fed your children. What did you get for your children? How did you dress them? What are the programs they watched? What are the toys and games they played with? Because... God tells Israel, the children you bore unto me. He said, you bore the children, but the children are mine. Mine." And even Jesus, whose ministry was nothing like ours, early morning till late and exhausted. But one set of people who would never allow it stop from coming to him were the children. And The disciples tried, he said, no, do not stop the children from coming to me. And we do not realize many of the things we do, we get we get even the Bible. Tell Pastor Vijay, even the books you get them to read have to be very, very careful because the devil is after their minds. Mm. We need to know the books they are reading because those books are say. Reading is an excellent habit if you are reading the right stuff. It can be the most dangerous things if you end up reading the wrong stuff. Yes. So children need to learn to read, but let them read right. Read write and the parents need to know what they are reading. And you bring them in that protective heads for a season, I would say like till they're fifteen years or old, class ten, that's what I'm talking about. On a protective shield, giving them more and more freedom as they grow up, and you will realize they're set for life. Amen. Because ideology has set in. The ideology of the kingdom has set. It. Amen. Yes, pastor V. So, so, the, the same related question, question number seven. The school syllabus
1: has stories of Greek gods and other stories that are contrary to the, to the Bible. What do you okay, do about it? You can't do
0: anything about yeah. it. But uh, what I'm saying is that you can tell them these are the stories. Hmm. The stories. See, see, if you if you were to explain to them as a parent, if you were to read that story behind it, and you can explain it to the children. Okay, you can explain it to the children. Usually behind any of these stories, there will be something kind of a moral lesson yes, behind. Yes. It. So you can always tell, like the entire Mahabharata was written by Vyasa, right? Yes. Vyasa. And it is, a, it's, he's primarily is putting across as a moral story of a battle that happens in the heart between good and evil.
1: Yes.
0: Good and evil. Okay, so you can put it across and the entire discourse is about Righteousness and battle between good and evil. So like that in the Greek stories or the Scandinavian, Egyptian, all this. You have to tell them very clearly these are in gods. These are stories. And behind these stories are principles, simple principles you can learn. It does not affect their faith not. When they encounter the living God, nothing affects their faith. Yes, because yes. I came through all of it. I never read my Bible in my childhood. I read everything. Mahabharata, Ramayana, Iliad, Odyssey, Egyptian gods, Scandinavian gods, God Thor, you name it, you can claim it, I read them all. And the last I came to the Bible. Once the Bible came in, they were all stories. I understood. These are all stories, there is nothing in it. You meet the living God, you don't have to fear. So we do not operate in fear, parents. We operate in faith, okay? Because children will ask questions and always have time and patience to answer them. There is an age when they will ask questions and always will tell mothers, especially mothers, fathers. Fathers, if you look in the Bible, if you look in the Bible, and I'm honestly telling you, when you stand before God, all the men will be judged on their work. And all the mothers will be judged on their home. Two spheres God has given. Men will be judged, how did you do, do your work? Women will be judged by how did you run your home? And that's being if you are fathers and mothers. But you have to be open to the questions of your children. The children will ask a lot of questions. And you should always have that openness to discussion so they hear the right answers from the parent. Any question? than from somebody else at school who will give them a what answer. Hmm. Yes. What answer. Okay. And you will always see the conflict. As they start growing up and they are talking something, they will say that, no, but teacher said so. Because they have recognizing another person in authority who is speaking into their lives. And you have to deal with very carefully without demeaning authority in their life. Yes. Demeaning authority in our so you have to be very wise about it because they always have to grow up respecting authority. Mm-hmm. So you have to explain to them what this teacher said about, let's say an example about evolution, that is science, that is the way the world is run. But the kingdom of God, which is truths, talks about creation. This is where your teacher is coming from. This is where we go from. Okay, and explain it without demeaning the authority of the teacher. Because authority has to be respected. But Only obeyed in truth, respected honor. Honor is mandatory. Okay, obedience is conditional. Yes. So children need to understand this difference between honor and obedience. Yes, Pastor Vijay.
1: Okay, Pastor. So we
0: have some tough questions. A lot of tough questions. We dealt
1: with the easy ones. Smaller tough question, maybe question number four. It says four. If I had my wife, I bought. As we have too many kids, is that wrong?
0: We are both in agreement to that. Oh, Lord, have mercy. First, let me uh, speak to everybody who has had an abortion. It's behind you. You can't do anything about it other than go to God, confess, repent, seek His mercy, forgiveness. So you already know where I am coming from. Hmm. Don't walk in guilt, don't walk in shame. There is somebody who loves us so much, who has taken both the guilt and the shame upon himself. So you need to go to him and put it right with him. Like I said already about children. Let's go to Psalm 139, verses 13 to 16 and Jeremiah 1-5. I'm just giving you a couple of this thing. Okay? So we know where we are coming. So, It, ultimately I'm talking to believers, to the, if there are people who do not believe in absolutes and the living God, then I leave it to you to see where God comes from. And I'm speaking with the authority of the word of God. Mm -hmm. This is what God says, and this is what the psalmist says. For you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works and that my soul knows very well. Yes. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret. You know what is happening in the womb? See, life did not, even though it's a man and a woman came together, life did not come from man or woman. Life comes from God. Otherwise, every time a man and a woman comes together, there should be there a baby. Life comes from God. The author of life is God. So if God is the one who gives life, then we do not have the right to take life. And he says, even the mother, before scanning came only a few, how many years back, nobody had any clue what was happening in the womb. Today, of course, we have all the scientific technology. But God says, you knew what was happening inside and skillfully wrought. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. And in your book, they all were written, the days fashioned for me when as yet there was none of them. (coughs) You know what the Bible is talking about? And I want all the parents and the young ones, the teenagers, unmarried ones, all to listen carefully. (coughs) Every child that was conceived, unless because of natural medical reasons, whereas a natural abortion takes place, I'm talking about that. Okay. Natural. I'm not talking about where you But there are other cases where it happens. In every case over here, you will look. Their life was already planned out by God. Okay, imagine this is a child's book. As soon as the child was conceived, the book is there in God's eyes. And all his days' lives are written. And then suddenly you intervene and close the book. The child is gone. And that's what the Bible is talking about. It is talking about that child belongs to God. He is the author of life, and we do not have the right to take the life of the baby, life to baby. Let's look at another portion that is in Jeremiah One five, if I'm right. Before I formed you.: 1 5. Jeremiah one5. "Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you mm-hmm. and I ordained you a prophet to the nations. Wow. Okay, what a, what a verse. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. God says even before your parents got married, even before they came together, even before you were conceived in your mother's womb, you know, you always existed in my mind. You were there before time. I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. Sanctified here means set you apart for my purpose. And I ordained you to be a prophet to the nations. But your parents had the free will. Separately or together in agreement, they cut your life off. Okay. So please know this. Because this is a huge dilemma people face. But I am promising you that if you life keep life simple, like all our parents and all did, they had so many children, and they managed. <laughs> life was very simple; it was not so complicated. And you no, know, but once a baby is conceived, you no, know, if you are wanna plan it out, gap or this thing, be wise about it. But once a baby is conceived, don't do anything to harm that baby. It's not like what they. The secular state says in the Western and all, it is a human being. John the Baptist in his mother's womb leaped when he heard the voice of Mary. He leaped in his mother's womb. He was filled with the Holy Holy Ghost from the. I want you to look at one very particular thing from the book of Exodus. Exodus chapter 21. I want you to listen to this very, very carefully. This is the law of God, okay, in the Old Covenant. 21 verses 22 to 23. If men fight and hurt a woman with child, so that she gives birth prematurely, yet no harm follows, he shall surely be punished accordingly as the woman's husband imposes on him, and he shall pay as judge determines. Okay? Yes. You getting it? Yes. So, look at the next verse. But if any harm comes, follows, then you shall give life. For life. Do you know what the Bible is saying? The fetus is a person. And if the fetus dies, the person is responsible for the death of that fetus and he is liable for capital punishment. In America, the courts have decided the fetus is not a person. God's law says the fetus is a person. And if you, if it was an accident, two men were fighting and one fellow by mistake hit a pregnant woman, and the child is born prematurely but the child survives He has to give damages, what the husband decides. But on the contrary, if the child dies, that guy has to be killed, executed for killing a person. So you look at God's law, you understand what God looks at a fetus, and he says, you think it's a fetus? It's a person created in my image, in my image. So you have to look at the principles in the Bible. This is not for condemnation. (laughs) You have to look at the principle. That is how we learn to, I so the problem is when you are pushing through pro-choice and abortion, you are devaluing life. We need to have a culture of life. Not a culture of death. Yes. Not a culture of death. We need to have a culture of life. God is the author of life. The devil is the author of death. God is, a, He exalts and lifts up the culture of life. The devil lifts up the culture of death and we need to ask ourselves which side are we on yes, yes which side we are we are not being hard that's why i also say in the church create a culture of life mercy justice righteousness we are not condoning sin but somebody let's say a teenage young girl in the church our own church let's imagine the pressure the girl will have to go through okay yes we have to say it was wrong See, your act was wrong. Baby was not wrong. You're confusing two things. Let's say it is rape. The act was criminal. The baby was not criminal. It was not. Baby was not. You have to separate the act and the person that was conceived. Person that was conceived. Okay? And protect. And value the person. Some of the babies. Not mentioning names. Which are like. God's most anointed children. Came through that kind of a process. I'm not mentioning names over here. Came through kind of a process. But that young mother. Had the guts. To say that. Even the entire system told that mother. About you are young. You are just a teenager. She said no. I will not. And today that baby is a blessing. It's a blessing. Just like Jeremiah 1, five. It's a blessing. It's a blessing. So please, we are not condoning the act that was sin, that was wrong. You can give it whatever normal creature you want to give it. But the baby is not wrong. Amen. The baby is right. Baby is not wrong. The baby is right. So please, please, even if the husband and the wife agree, it start, still does not make it right. It's still wrong before God's eyes because the babies belong to God. They are His children. They will go back to Him one day. We are given; they are given to us for a season to take care of them, prepare them for God's service, and release them into God's hands. Ultimately, they came from Him. If you raise them up properly and they encounter God, they will go back to Him. And they will bring glory to His name. They are not ours. Only for us. Even our own children, we are, they are our, we are just stewards. Yes, Pastor Vijay. There are no (laughs) illegitimate children. There are no illegitimate children. Only illegitimate parents. No illegitimate children. All children are legit. Hallelujah. All chill. And my little baby, I know you are watching over there. I love you. <laughs> I love you. I know you are legit. You are not a legit. You are legit. And your mommy is also legit. Your daddy wasn't legit. He's gone anyway. Hallelujah.
1: Okay, Pastor. So, we'll go to uh, a longer question, Pastor, from an ex-Catholic. Oh. This is uh, question number nine. She's got so many questions. So let's, Nine. I'm going to read them all. I come from an ardent Roman Catholic family background, but I have accepted Christ. I am the only believer in my family, or you can say my entire household. I have a bunch of questions to ask. As I told you that I am the only believer in my family, so there are clashes in the beliefs now. When I try to say something, they become hostile. How should I pray that my family is also will also get saved? And how and what should I say to them that we don't have clashes, but they listen?
0: That's the first question. And this is, these are people, by the way, we do not even know. And these are questions coming from places. I don't know. It's coming from Madhya Pradesh. It's coming from Bhopal. Okay. And these are people I have no clue at all who these people are. But thank you, sister. The thing is that I do not know your age. I don't know your age. Because all these things matter. So, if anybody who's listening writes a question kind of similar of a situation, it makes it easier for us to answer. Like, if I were to answer this question to a girl who's 15 year old and is studying, the answer would be different. On the other hand, if she's 25 and working, the answer would be different. 15, you are under your father's roof and he puts the bread on your table. So, the guidelines I would give you is different. 25 you are on your own practically you earn your money and you can stand on your feet and uh, you are living under the same roof but it becomes too hostile i'll give you a different counsel okay so the counsel difference differs according to your situ, your your personal situation too but let me tell you you said one thing very first thing you're the only believer in your family and uh, What I will say is, hang in there. Everyone in every family who comes in first has to go through the cross. That is their call. I would request you, child, read the last 13 chapters of the book of Genesis and listen to Joseph's final answer. I was sent ahead of you to prepare a place for you. Whenever God calls a man or a woman first in their family, they will go through unprecedented suffering simply because they are the channel God will use to save the rest of the family. Mm. So they need to be prepared for it, understand. It's usually a pattern I have seen in life. They will be misunderstood, they will be hostile, and through it all, you never miss the big picture. I want my household saved. I want my household saved. Okay, so you have to look at that big picture and ask for God's grace according to that picture if you have to sustain this walk, otherwise it will not happen. Second thing is that in your family, like in your office, these are close, whether your office, your classroom, your office uh, and your home these are there's something similar about these three places. these three places what happens is You are living among a set of people who are common. There it's not your words that matter. It's your life that matters. Mm. More than your words. It's your life that matters. The Bible doesn't talk about, in those kind of situations, our witness being our words. It says we are the aroma of Christ. Our life shines. If you go to John chapter 1, Gospel according to John chapter 1. It's either three or words four. You have to look at that. Was In him was life. Yeah, 1 John. In him was life. Look at that. In Jesus Christ was life. And the life was the light of men. Mm. Okay. He was not just a preacher. He was the message. Okay. He taught his disciples. He's teaching us a different thing altogether. But his life was the message. And we need to realize, us, who come from, first who come, okay? We'll make lots of mistakes and all, but be humble about it. Don't worry about it. God is not saying that in one day you become perfect or anything, but you are on the road. You're not giving up. All that is a witness for them. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. Our life ultimately becomes their light. And if they reject that life, it's because they love darkness. They reject. Okay, they rejected Joseph's life because they loved darkness. Hmm. But that the, the fact that their lives was dark did not change the nature of Joseph's life. So that's the first thing which I have to say. Second question,
1: of connected with that, sister. Yeah, it says their family has a major spiritual problem
0: with, with alcoholism, alcoholism. So how do it Yeah, shift? it's sadly to be sadly to speak. It is something very true. Uh, in many Catholic families where the children and the parents drink alcohol together. together. See, I come from a Catholic family, but I, I can tell you, my father sadly later in life became alcoholic and actually died because of it, because of cirrhosis. So I know what is to be the child of a father who was alcoholic. But I will tell you something, things which I respect about my father. We were three sons and two daughters. He was always ashamed of his drinking. Always ashamed of him. He never invited any of his children, even when they're grown up to drink with him. I can still remember him. His class is something like this. In our home which we built, used to be inside the Almara. Filled. And he would be in the front room reading. Every 10 minutes he will go there quietly drink, keep it there and come back. He was kind of almost even ashamed to drink in front of his children. That he was conscious and remember he wasn't a believer. He was conscious that this is my weakness. I am an alcoholic but deep inside he always, I guess, wished I don't want my children to take this path. But that is not true about many Catholic families or many families where fathers and sons and all sit together and drink. It's sad. And uh, I would say be wise like Abigail. Scripture says I cannot stand my families when they are drunk, nor they tolerate me whenever I say anything about alcoholism. I I also also would say just pray about it. You cannot talk to alcoholics. You cannot pray about it. And if you talk about it, be wise like uh, Abigail, remember? Abigail's husband, Nabal, was drunk. Hmm. So when she came back also, he was drunk. She didn't say anything to him. Anything to She talked to him in the morning when he was sober. And all the wives who are listening, in case your husband is alcoholic, drunk, plenty may be there. Don't talk to them when they are drunk. It's pointless. Absolutely, totally pointless. You'll create a havoc there, fight, get beaten up. All kind of junk will happen. Okay? We say in English, and not scriptural, but true. It takes two hands to clap. Mm. If you are just silent, consistently and pray your way through and be you no know, don't aggravate create any friction over there it will pass that night will pass take it one day at a time it simply doesn't work and then when they are sober and very gentle kind sit with them and say do you know what's happening and today one of the mothers i actually advised her today is a time when we have mobile phones and camera when your husband is really, really acting up and he's not himself. Really, really acting. Why don't you quietly record it and then show it to him in the morning? Do you know what you were like? I, I don't want anybody to see it, but I want you to see it. This is how you were yesterday in the night before the children. Let him be ashamed of himself. Without a camera, I knew my father was ashamed of his drinking. No, Let them see it a few times. This is how you actually really, really behave. You don't know. You are a completely different person when you are drunk. This is what you are. But do it gently, kindly. Kindness matters in this. Because your intention matters. Remember, God is a God where the living word cuts through the division between the soul and the spirit and reveals your thoughts and intentions. Right? And if your intention is right, you have the power of the Holy Spirit standing with you. If your intention is right, God stands witness with you. The water, the blood, and the spirit. spirit. Then it works. It works. But don't aggravate. Don't aggravate. And always remember, if you are a child, be very, very careful about how you deal with this issue with your father, if it's your father. Okay? With your father. You have to be very respectful how you deal with it.
1: The next question says, there are back-to-back deaths in my family from my mother's side brothers and her nephew, all males, two of them died in an accident and one died due to multiple organ failure. Sir, my family members are asking church fathers to pray in the village house, telling that witchcraft has been done and those fellas are coming and praying and bearing rosary, etc. in the house and doing all nonsense at this point. I'm not in the position to protest at all. My question is that can dark forces operate in my family when I'm saved, even when I'm saved.
0: Yes, it can operate how should I pray against such things? First it operates because also simply because you are you are a child and you do not have the power that authority that comes from headship. You do not have it. You can pray, you can intercede, how much effect it will come because everything works on in the God's kingdom. The devil understands God's kingdom, it works on uh, uh, authority. Works on authority and authority matters. You remember mm-hmm, uh, the Gibeonites fooled Joshua in the promised land. Hmm. They deceived Joshua and Joshua without checking with God made a vow. So once the vow was made, and they later discovered these guys fooled us. These guys are people who are living over here, and we made a covenant with them. And you cannot break a covenant, even it was though made with ignorance and deception, it stands. And years later, around 400, 500 years later, when Saul, uh, Saul in his religious zeal kills them and David's time, the judgment comes upon them for killing the Gibeonites because a vow is a vow. <coughs> a vow is a vow. So you have to realize, yes, sadly, all the stuff they are doing only will aggravate the situation. There are these kind of curses that comes in the families where people all die, people all die. And remember, all religions, most religions, as far as I know, works on curses. Curses. Works yeah. on curses, And that's why people are scared of priests and scared of gods. Because the power is the power of curse, while our power is the power of blessing. While God says, if you stay in Christ, the curse will not land on you. Mm-hmm. It will not work. On the other hand, if somebody curses you, it will boomerang on them. Mm. It will not work on you. So all I can say is I can promise you by the word of God, if you stay in Christ Jesus, there is protection for you. But other than that, you can exercise your authority quietly. Quietly bind. You plead the blood of Jesus over your house and it works. The blood of Jesus works. You go around. Don't talk a bit because it will aggravate the situation. Quietly do it as a child. Plead the blood, the blood, the blood over your over your house, over your family, and keep fighting this battle, sooner or later you will see one more family member coming through. Suddenly you have one more person. Because everything is scripture. One Mm -hmm. can put a thousand to flee. We're talking about demonic hosts. Two can put ten thousand to flee. You have to stand there strong and see that they don't touch you. There is power, there is authority, three things, the word of God, the name of God, and above all, the blood of Jesus. These are the things that give you authority over the enemy. You have to learn how to exercise it, and it does work.
1: Yeah. She also asks, uh, do people who commit suicide go directly to hell? How should we deal with the people close to us who have suicidal tendencies, and what
0: should we pray? Boy, (laughs) That's one of the most... Things which pastors don't want to deal with. Thank God, in all my life as a pastor, I never had to deal with a funeral of anybody who committed suicide. Hmm. Suicide is a very, very, what do you call it? Very sad, very painful. See, in funerals, usually there is... Still, a Christian funeral, there is a kind of a celebration, because you know the person made it, you know, that celebration, died in faith, Hmm. lived well, died, but in suicide there is always this question, what happened here? The Bible, if you look at it in terms, the Bible, you will see, records seven suicides. Okay, I don't know why it is seven. Mm -hmm. The first one, of course, is Abimelech in Judges 9. The second one is Samson. You can call it suicide. He wanted to die with his enemies. So he pulled down the whole building upon himself. You can't call it anything other than suicide. suicide. King Saul fell upon his own sword and killed himself. Then Ahitophel, David's advisor, went home and hung himself. Then there was a wicked fellow called Zimri who killed his king. And when the soldiers and the kings, uh, the countrymen, uh, ganged against him, they were getting ready to kill him. He locked himself in the king's palace, set the palace on fire and died in the fire. And then the biggest name is Judas. So you have these seven people who kill themselves, okay, including kings, wise men, and he called out, "Chosen Apostle." So, when it comes to suicide, I have to be very, 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 very careful about it because this is something which grieves parents when a child, like I was very upset because I got a video um, from one of the servants of God, Rajmandri a family that committed suicide. I don't know. Who goes into a house that is committed suicide and takes a video of all the children hanging from the? No. You should show dignity to be dead. Don't take pictures of those who have hung themselves, whole family hanging there and take pictures. Then ask for prayer. No, you don't. You can ask for prayer without those pictures. A person, even in their death, uh, deserves dignity. That's what Jehu says. Take her and bury her. After all, she was the king's daughter. But when they came, they found nothing. They came, only Some bones were left. So you have to realize death is a very, very sensitive issue and death by suicide is the worst simply because you do not know how did this person die. But I want you to look at Matthew 12 and 31. I'm only talking in terms of Christian perspective, where a child was in the church, Child wasn't in the child, person, anybody. Okay, Matthew 12, 31. Therefore I say to you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven men, but the blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven men. It's a very, very powerful verse where the Lord himself says, every sin, every blasphemy will be forgiven. There's only one sin that will not be forgiven. That is blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. So when parents ask about, is suicide a forgivable sin? Depends upon how the person died. You need to realize many of the suicides that take place comes about acute depression. Acute depression. Depression is one of the major, major issues, especially in the West. If you look at the over the counter two medicines that are sold most in US, one is Valium and one is Prozac. Hmm. Okay. And this, and Valium, if I'm right, it's got to do with depression, right? Depression kills people. People are all depressed. You see, the problem is depression is more when you do, it's because you don't have anything to hang on to. Hmm. No? Hang on to. When you take absolutes out of life and God out of the picture, automatically people will fall into depression. No? And the book of Ecclesiastic is written by a depressive man. Okay? Who thinks wealth can bring satisfaction? Who thinks industry will bring satisfaction? Who thinks alcohol will bring satisfaction? Who thinks sex will bring satisfaction? He went in all that ways and ended, ended, ends up as a incredibly depressed man because he chose to walk away from the living God. So you understand that depression is a major cause of suicide. Major cause of the suicide. And the problem is when you go into depressive state then you go into this kind of medication on top of that you are opening yourself to another portal. The demonic. The demons will always push you to kill you. Because every demon would prefer a man or a woman to die before he calls upon the name of Jesus. Because that means plan achieved. But what I'm talking, that's what I said, I'm talking in terms from a family or a person who's a Christian background. If that person actually, truly at some point of time, repented, believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, and because of something that happened, a broken relationship, job loss no now after this lockdown is over we have to see what will happen and i always feel sorry for people of india the farmers who commit suicide in their tens and thousands now after this is over how many millions have lost their jobs no livelihood no will be driven to suicide no and i feel really really sorry but here i am talking about the christian perspective such a person goes into depression is pushed over the edge I'll leave it to God I will never make a judgment I'll leave it to God I'll leave it to God it's not my call it's no servant of God's call it's not your call because secret things belong to God belong to God if I am a pastor and if I meet a father or a mother like that I will say that trust God trust God you love your son love your daughter They took their life, but you believe, he believed, she believed once. If you love and hope so much, how much for your father in heaven? Okay. said, leave it alone, that. Okay. No, Because people, there are a lot of fundamentally letter of the law preachers who will say it is written, thou shall not kill. So this comes under the category. Please stay out of the way. Stay out of the way. Okay. Don't come into, that's what I said. You have to, you cannot have justice without mercy. Like the previous issue we dealt with some some sister who aborted, oh you committed murder, shut your mouth. What she did is wrong will not justify it, but you don't have to add uh, what this thing on injury. Poor thing is already going through the trauma of killing because they all go through depression after that because it is not possible. They mm. go through depression, they go crazy and you don't have to add to that. Already somebody has aborted a baby, you don't want to abet suicide also now on top of that. So tell them what you did is wrong, but it's a God is merciful. You need to go back to God and He will put it right with you. Okay? We cannot bring the child. These are the things which uh, you have to look at David. Incredible. Child dies and he rises up and says, the child will not come back to me. And if you want to ask who is responsible for that child's death, he is responsible for the child's death. If there is one child who died because of his father, he is responsible. In so many ways, he aborted the baby after it was born Hmm. because of his actions. But he has incredible confidence in the presence of God that I am forgiven. The child is safe. And we need to realize we are not condoning your action, but we are also extending the hand of comfort. That this is a God. This is a God. And we are not ever, ever justifying abortion or ever justifying suicide. But we have to deal with the real issues that cause suicide. What is that causes suicide? It is depression. It is depression. And what is the answer to depression? No, Jesus. You see, the gospel is the answer to almost every issue man is facing. The real true gospel, not the prosperity gospel. The prosperity gospel will cause even more suicide because it does not cause prosperity. Hmm. The real gospel is when a man or a woman or a child encounters the living God. And you know, you encounter the living God and keep the focus on the God and teach that person to walk with God. They will be able to handle all these heartbreaks that come. Right? That's what I talk to. I tell widows, God says he's a husband to the widows. I tell orphans, you're not orphans. God says he's a father to the orphans. Right? And the mother, by under pressure from the husband or the society or whatever it was, family who aborted a baby, had no choice about it, was forced to do it and is going through guilt, don't worry. Don't worry. Your child, I believe, is safe with God. Okay, a child. So Don't go through that guilt. Go before God. Put it right and free. Everything has to be believed by faith. When God says you are forgiven, you are forgiven. Don't carry the guilt and shame. Guilt and shame are killers. Don't carry guilt. Don't carry the shame. We saw that today from Isaiah 53.5. He carried it all upon himself. Walk free and walk with him. There is an answer to everything in life. We are not condoning anything. We are not condoning suicide, we are not condoning abortion, we are not condoning anything. What I am saying is that you need to also be realistic according to the word of God. My son is not going to come back. It's not going to come back. I know I will go to him. Okay, you know what that man is saying? He's absolutely sure where his son is gone. He's absolutely sure where he is going. Where did it all come from? Did he do anything? No. No, All he said is, Lord, I have sinned Mm. from his heart. And God said, your sin is removed. That's it. He believed by faith in the forgiveness of God. That is why faith is so important. You have to believe once you have gone, repented, confessed to God. You have to believe the forgiveness of God. Sets you free. I am free. I am free. I am walking away free. I will not walk under condemnation. And that's what Romans 8.1. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And then those who have suicidal tendencies, you have to help them. You have to help them. You have to counsel them. You have to lead them to Christ Jesus. And always that, that most depressive book, Jeremiah, in that is the most what he called wonderful promise the plans that i have for you right they're going into babylon they're going into slavery they're going to most of them will die in babylon for the next 70 years in the middle of it what is god giving hope Twenty nine eleven. for i know the thoughts i think towards you says the lord thoughts of peace not of evil to give you a future and a hope this is god this is God. It shines like a, what a laser beam in that depression. Mm-hmm. book. Through it all, God says, mm-hmm. what are you are going through is because of your sins. But that doesn't mean I have let go of your hand. Through it all, I'm, I am offering you. Uh, as we close this particular topic, let me let me give you an illustration. I used to give it to my students, this illustration, 30 years, 35 years ago when I was a classroom teacher. I said, two two." People who were sentenced and for 10 years, 15 years were in the same cell in the prison. And it was dark, evening, twilight had come. And the cell had a small little window, barbed window. And both were standing by the window and looking out. Okay, looking out. Just below the window past the gutter of the prison compound where the dirty water was flowing. Okay, So one looked down, and he looked at the gutter, and he says, my life is like that. It's a waste, it's filthy, and there is no hope. The other guy from the same window was looking up. The sky was starting to turn dark, and he could see a few stars. And he looked up, and he said, you know what, in the midst of the darkness of my life, there is still hope. One day I will come out, and I will make something of my life. Both looking out of the same window, perspective was completely different. No. The devil wants you to look down. Look down. And all these things are happening and say you, you are finished. But you know what? When the worst situation the world has ever seen happens, God tells his people, look up for your redemption is near. Amen. Don't look down. Amen. Look up because your redemption is near. So in any situation, child of God is going through man, woman, Husband, wife, father, mother, child, God always tells, look up, for I know. He says, I know. I know the thoughts that I think towards you. You may not think it, but I tell you, I know my thoughts. You may have so much confusion about my thoughts towards you, but I know the thoughts I think towards you, says the Lord. They are thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Yes, Pastor Vijay.
1: Last uh, question from this sister is that, Sir, chances of getting a believer husband in my community is nil. <laughs> but if I'm married off to a non-believer, will God leave me and will will he punish me?
0: This is where I said, Child, I understand you are young. Uh, you are not married. I don't know how old you are. I don't know whether you have a job. But my thing is that uh, I would still say, okay. Put your feet down, foot down. You will not marry an unbeliever. It's not, price you have to pay, it's not worth it. Mm. Whatever culture, system you are operating in, ultimately, you are the one who has to live with the person. Yeah. And I would say, don't say chances of getting a believer husband in my community. <laughs> we are a community. Our church is a community. Everybody got a believer husband. Hallelujah. Hmm. It was all looked impossible. But God made a way. So you need to, first you need to take a stand according to the word of God. Don't budge over there. Okay. Take a stand. If you want the, if you want God to stand by you, you have to stand by what he has already spoken. Yes. Don't, don't, uh, what you call it, Deviate from what already he has spoken. He has already spoken to his children, the believing children. Do not be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. Said it very clearly. So he has already spoken. So once he has spoken, you don't pray against it. You will say, Lord, you have spoken. I will stand by it and I'm going to trust you and I'm going to believe that a proposal will come for me who will be a believing person. And I will have favor with God and with man. I'll have favor with you and I will have with my parents and that. They will agree to it. In the meantime, I will also believe for a supernatural intervention from God. Every proposal that comes, it will go away. Hallelujah. Yes. It will go away. Amen. I have known so many who prayed it and got it done. Everything got cancelled. They stood there by faith. They honored their parents, but they said no. They obeyed God. They said no. They said no. They said no, they said no. And you have to con- consciously keep repeating this over and over again to your parents so they get the concept, concept what it means, a believer. They have to get it. You have to tell you. you have to keep on telling them until it sinks into their mind, this child, they will call it, you are stubborn. It's okay. It's good to be stubborn in the things of God. Amen. That's okay. Amen. But they need to realize, okay, this child is not going to budge. Is going to but at some point in life they will say okay then find somebody who agrees with your thing. Okay, God will work it out. Otherwise, remain single. It's not a big thing. Hallelujah. Less trouble in life. Master, <laughs> this is another tough question. This is question number eight related to, again, family. Shall I read? Uh, we it? haven't done with the major issue. Okay, we're gonna do. Yeah, yeah. can we do? Yeah, we will do question one, question eight. These are all connected with marriage. Yes, I'm going to do Okay, question, yeah.
1: question eight. Pastor?
0: Yeah, question eight. And yeah, there are two questions yeah, which I, are kind of similar. So I, I'm going to do both yeah, of them. You can do both of them. Yes. Yes. So,
1: Pastor, before I go there, mm-hmm. I, I just want to ask you one thing. It's mm-hmm. like really been overwhelming. I mean, because to hear at all these things, There's so much of brokenness in the world. And the That's ravaging, Adam
0: and Eve fell. That's ravaging that
1: it, effects of sin. One other, On the family. What What is the suggestion that you would give ministers of God as to how to deal with this? Like, for example, it's impossible for anybody to be a shepherd and not to factor in the fact that the people will be listening to you will be a bunch of people who will be really coming from different kinds of backgrounds. And how do you factor in? What is that thing that you would... Really ask God, I mean, I, I would, I would, just a, this is a well,
0: couple of things which you to pastors, if I were to talk yeah, to pastors, a yes, yes. couple of things which I will tell you is if you want to be a shepherd, okay, not a, I
1: mean, so, it is not, there's no wanting to be a shepherd, you're called to be a you're shepherd, call,
0: you're, you're called to be a shepherd, and like God says, I'll give you shepherds after my own heart. One of the things, you know, at church is primarily individuals and families, And in 21st century, when we come to the end of end times, it's all brokenness. So if you are a shepherd who just came out of Bible college with head full of theology and no brokenness, you will not be able to shepherd them. You will not be able to shepherd them. You know, the first shepherd in the Bible was Moses, Hmm. because Israel is called the church in the wilderness, first shepherd. But before he could be a shepherd, God broke him in 40 years in the wilderness. Broke him completely for 40 years, putting him in very humiliating situation. Really humiliating situation. A man who was prince of Egypt had to live in his father-in-law's house and be his shepherd. Where he is a man of the covenant, a Jew, Hebrew. Hmm where his wife did not even allow him to circumcise his own children. That on the road, after God calls him on the road to Egypt, God had to intervene in such a way, so you can understand how strong will stubborn Zipporah is, Mm. that he had to almost strike Moses dead, Something happens over there where they understand the reason of his sickness is the disobedience of, because he's going to bring the people of the covenant out and his own children don't have the mark of the covenant upon them. Mm. So she is forced to do the circumcision because he's so ill and sick and she throws it, then says you're a husband of blood for me. That man had to be humiliated to that point. He becomes the most humble, broken man. And that is why he shepherds the most rebellious congregation. He is able to shepherd them well. Because he's is broken. You have to give it to him. With a congregation like that, he lost his temper only once in 40 years. Only once. Mm. Only once in 40 years he lost his temper. He identified completely with them and always stood between them and God and pleaded for mercy. Okay. So you want to be a shepherd? You have two ways. Either God breaks you or you break yourself before God. Hmm. Okay. Then only you will empathize with your congregation and you will look at their problems and you will be able to balance both what is righteousness and mercy. Both has to be always balanced. If you are only you talk about righteousness, you will become a Pharisee. Hmm. Okay, Pharisee. You only talk about mercy, then you become a liberal. And, and We, we can't, can't be both. You we can't be both. We have to walk in the middle. That we have the to way. walk in the That's middle. Grace and, and truth came through Jesus Christ. You can't go either side. And for that, Only depending that is why God. scripture says he was tempted at all points. We do not have a high priest who does not sympathize with us. He was touched with all our infirmities. And he, every day, what do you think? What do you think Jesus is doing before the father? Asking for judgment or crying for mercy? Let's see. His entire ministry for the past 2,000 years is crying out for mercy. He's a shepherd. Amen. He's not asking for judgment. He says, Dad, please, please, Dad, please, Dad. And he tells. The father comes and says, three years, no fruit, cut it down. He says, Dad, 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 dad mm-hmm. wait again. Let me dig a little more. Longer. Maybe next year. Just no, some more time. That's what he's doing. Pleading for mercy. So,
1: second question, if you don't mind, Pastor, Mm. we'll go there. (laughs) Mm. I I think we should, right? So, if, if you have been, have been called to be a shepherd, and you know that there are issues like this in the family, Mm. and how how do you encourage Mm. the brethren who are going through this? Mm. We we know for a fact that the gospel is not going to let you be in the situation that you're in right now.
0: Are they able to hear him clearly? Because yesterday they were talking. Yeah.
1: So the gospel is not, for a fact, has got the ability and the power Mm. not only to forgive you in your situation, Mm. but able to get you out of the situation and make a message out of your life. Mm. So... I, I, how do you how do you navigate that stretch in that where you're saying, okay, fine, you're going through the situation. This is not the be-all and the end-all of life and you give your life to God. He is able to make the best that you can be. Like you said, one guy is able to look at the stars and the other guy is able to look at the gutters. So that is essentially the gospel that you not only empathize with the situation that the person is going through, but also bring that person out and say, you know what? Just don't have to be there in your mess. Come out and you, be, you know, can See, be an overcome. See,
0: honestly, let us Let us be practical about it.
1: Yeah, that's what I want to ask.
0: The practical side is that all these people really need a church, a believing, loving, kind church. That's the family that God gives you. See, we were all born in a family. Hmm. Like we have babies that we have two weeks back, a baby was born. Okay. When a baby is born, even in the natural, a baby is born, a baby needs certain factors if the baby has to grow normally and reach a full age. The first thing the baby needs is milk. Baby needs milk. Mm. Second thing the baby needs, parents or a family which protects the baby and takes care and nurtures the baby. The third thing the baby needs is it needs exercise. Mm. If the baby's legs and legs middle, you will panic and run to the pediatrician exactly right even the beginning you know the baby needs when our mothers and all did they nicely oiled them and did their hands and everything even if they couldn't move we moved it for them amen three things you need so when a person is spiritually born again he's also born again as a baby inside amen he needs the milk of god's word yes he needs the milk of god's word he needs to see and to see that he is fed otherwise that baby will not grow a person needs nurture, protection, he needs a family. That family is called the church. Lot of people who get saved, their family may not be believers. So God gives them a spiritual family that is called the, the church. church. That is what you see in Acts chapter 2, 42. They gathered steadfastly 42. and for fellowship, for breaking of bread, for prayer, and they gathered daily in different, different houses. It's a family setup. Mm. So that is a family of believers. And the third thing you need that your body needs exercise. Exercise, yes. And God says walk, walk by faith. Walk by faith. Take a one step, small step, another step. Fall, don't worry. The children all learn to walk. They fall, we are not it. Keep walking. And hold you. And you have to walk by faith. Only one exercise is prescribed. You have to walk by faith. And that has to be there. Otherwise what will happen? No, we can, we can encourage them. Mm. All that is true. But, Many of them are alone and isolated. Yes. So we have to pray like one of these persons has written from Bhopal and I don't know how it reached there and who this person is and all. I would pray like, you know, if your family will allow you, it's difficult, but if it allows you to go to a church, go online, find, I would say never go to a mega church. Never. If you got, if you're a person with problems, don't go to a mega church because your problem will become a mega problem there. Okay. They don't, they don't care. Honestly, they don't care. They, they are not bothered. I, I, I mean, I understand purpose of mega churches. Maybe there's purpose. I, I'm, it's not my job. But for me, a church should not be more, if you have two pastors, maximum it should be like 150 to 200. So that you know your sheep by name. You know what they are going through. I'm talking about those who are regular in the church, not the visitors who come in through one door and go through the other door. It's okay. We welcome them. You're a visitor. No, we show more what do we do with the visitors in our house We seat them in the table and tell them to eat first so we show that kind of courtesy to visitors in the church that's all we treat them with respect everything and all but we care for the family amen we care for the family and that's the way it should be till it happens pray you have to all everything faith comes you pray lord i came to know you show me a place here couple of places you may get disappointed. doesn't matter. That doesn't mean there is no church. I'm not saying there is any perfect church. But you will find somewhere or other a no. good church. Yes. A church. And in the meantime, equip yourself. Listen to the word. There are a lot of online messages. Listen to good word. Equip yourself. Grow stronger. If you are not baptized in the Holy Spirit, ask God, Lord, baptize me in the Holy Spirit. Lord, baptize me. I need strength. I am weak. Your spirit is the strength. You told your disciples. You are the same God. You go through these patterns and you will suddenly realize, you know what, it works. It works. The church helps. It's a huge help that the family helps. It puts the arms and the walls around you and keeps you safe over there. Okay, but... Remember, the church is a family. It's not an organization.
1: Uh, so one mm. more question before. I mean, mm. I just want, I'm sorry, I'm taking your time. Yeah, yeah, no problem. Uh, the thing is, the thing mm. is, the two observations I want to make over mm. here. The first observation is that you said that, you know, uh, you, you have a shepherd who says, you know what, mm. three years I'm looking for fruit mm. and please give me, uh, another year and I'll, I'm, am going to dig around and I'm, let's see if there's fruit. Now, in other words, if there is no church mm. and if you're a lone fig tree, you're dead meat. In other words, there's no spiritual protection for you, right?
0: No protection for you, but also, like, you no. Know, everything depends upon where you are, what situation you are. Like, if you are in North Korea, none of these things we said applies. <laughs> Nothing applies. Yes. God will stand with you. He will. You know how people, you will be the church there, basically. You know, how, you know how people fellowship in North Korea. This is a park. You are sitting. You're looking, staring in the sky. Pass a slip. Take a slip. 10 minutes later, you walk away. Each gave a scripture to each other, encouraged and gone. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the, the end. That's the end. That's church <laughs> Or you go fishing. And you are fishing. Five fishermen, you are out in the deep sea where none of the North Korean anybody can see. Then the, this thing is taken. It is put started and they are having a Bible study in deep sea. That is church, search. Because you are caught, you are killed. You are gone. You are never seen again. Okay, so... You have to look at what we are talking about is in a general situation where all these things are possible. But when it is not possible, God is with you, God is for you. And you will grow, you will grow. So it's not one cap fits all. There are most of the believers, genuine true believers cannot gather like this. Yet they are the strongest because they have encountered Christ. And they encountered the power of his word. Mm. So, somebody who is going through like this in Lopal, God is saying, you know what? You have brethren who is going to." Let's go See, to Hebrews chapter 13. 13, 13, 13, 13. Verse. verse 2 or 3? Mm. 13. Hebrews 13. Yeah, 3. Remember the prisoners as if chained with them, those who are mistreated, since yourself are in the body also. Hallelujah. Okay, remember the prisoners, who are these prisoners? These are prisoners of what the world will call prisoners prisoners of conscience. I call them prisoners of faith. These are prisoners because they believed in Christ Jesus. So God is telling those who are free, what are they supposed to do? Remember them as hmm? of remember. But it is—he's not just saying, remember them. We all say, yes, we remember them. I pray for the um, prisoners in South Korea, North Korea, in China, in Iran. He says, no, I didn't ask you to remember them. Remember the prisoners as if you You are are chained with them. Chained with them. Think about in a real family situation. If you are a child and your father is in prison. Hmm. Father is in prison. Father is in prison. Wouldn't you remember them every day? Isn't their face always before you? And God is saying, remember, you are a body. Mm. Allow the Holy Spirit to show you. A lot of people don't realize that is their ministry. If they really surrender to the Spirit of God, He'll awaken them and show them people you need to pray for them. They are really depressed in this cell. They are my children. They come to that dark point. They are tripping. There's nobody to lift them up. And suddenly you wake up in the night and you realize, you know, there's somebody somewhere in North Korea, some labor camp who needs my prayer. And you pray and the Holy Spirit. You know that is how you are a body. You are a body. You know. And the body of King the body of God works like that. But the devil knows that, the power of the body. So what he says he makes you think about your problems, problems, mm. problems, problems, so that yes. you have, your mind is occupied that yeah. the Holy Spirit cannot even speak to you. Yes, yes. A lot of Christian lives are just wasted. Mm. That is why Jesus said, Remember, Matthew 6, 33 and thirty four. Thirty four also has to come. Thirty three and thirty four. 33 and 34. <clears throat> Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all the things you are worrying about shall be I added to you. Do. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. Hmm. Tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble hmm. You know, You know, that's, that's what worry does. What, what worry does is that worry is buying tomorrow's troubles today. <laughs> In advance, paying for it. But what makes, what actually happens in the kingdom of God with worry is you're useless for God. Useless for God. We saw in Romans say the Holy Spirit prays through you with groans that can be uttered. But now this is not the Holy Spirit's groans. It's your groans over your worries. Yes, yes. And God says don't even worry about it. I'll take care of it. I'll take care of it. You know the, the spiritual lives that are wasted, the amount of Waste in the kingdom of God. We talk about food waste and water waste and all that. You know, the spiritual waste. Power, power of God is big wasted. God said, I'll take care of you. I'll take care of my children. I'll take care. Don't worry about it. You seek the kingdom of first and his righteousness, all these things which you need. Like, keep life simple. I'll take care of your needs. But what happens? We don't do that. And therefore, God has very few people, if you look at the whole number, whom he can actually speak to. Hmm. The Holy Spirit can speak to. Because he's the one in control of everything. He knows what is happening everywhere. All he wants is souls to whom he can speak, but so nobody hears. Yes, ma'am.
1: So last question, boss. A second, a second observation. I said hmm. only one observation. Okay. Okay. No problem. <laughs> second no. observation is the thing is uh the faith part here in this. When you're Why
0: the thing is that because. I know. There is a major this thing about marriage and today is Sunday evening okay. a right. All right I, I
1: will I will keep that hold, I, that, I, I yeah, hold okay. that for next week. A lot of
0: people are struggling and they have sure. issues about So that.
1: this is question number eight, Pastor. Mm. Uh I have been married for three years. Oh Lord. And I have and a two year old baby. Mm. It has been an arranged setting and the guy has professed his ardent faith and love for God and showed the church that he's biblically sound and and, and I and the family was were convinced. Only later to find that he's not a believer. He doesn't go to church and never reads his word or prays. He is emotionally, psychologically, financially unstable, abusive, narcissistic, pathological liar, alcoholic, smoker, high in debts, bad mood swings, aggressive to the point of point he hits himself, threatens suicide if he don't comply to all his conditions. He never loved me or cared for my child since infancy. Keeping God as witness, I have been submissive, kind and gentle towards him 99% of the time, except in matters related to God. I have endured him to the point that I got frustrated, started confronted, confronting his lies and cheating. He turned physically abusive and started hitting me badly. Right now, I have moved out to live with my parents because I am pregnant with a second child. I have no, no, one to contact, no way to contact him. I am praying for him. I have told I will only reconcile if he shows some change or willing to go to church and change. Should I reconcile to him or not? If I do, wouldn't it be testing God when I know I could keep my child and my life in jeopardy? Second question, I have prayed all my life for a God-fearing man for my marriage. Have I been deceived? Is there hope for my marriage?
0: Okay, this is the second question also you can read. It's almost similar. Another person. Yes, yeah, Pastor, So we yes. can handle it both together. So this is another question. Yeah, Which is that question number? Question number
1: 11, Pastor. My no, daughter is 23 months old. No, no,
0: no. no, no, no. Not that not. All. Question number
1: 11. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Question number 11. Yeah. Yes. My daughter is 23 months old, imitating a cousin. Yeah, leave that alone. Question, That's yeah. got to do with
0: discipline. Yes. Second part
1: of it. My yes. husband is an unbeliever with a Christian type. Doesn't read word or pray or go to church. He has never bonded with me or on any spiritual, emotional or romantic level. He always asso- associates with his male and female friends while he's at home or outside. He's full of debt, debts yet tries to maintain a lavish lifestyle and is abusive towards me. He leaves me and my daughter and frequently goes on trips. I've caught him thousands of times lying and hundreds of times meeting people secretly and making urgent secret phone calls and chats and sometimes insists me to leave house without the, with the young baby for some days without valid reasons for the past 3 years every valentines day he dresses up and leaves somewhere when i go when i do some research he happens not to be with his persons whom he said he is with he blatantly lies and doesn't bother to explain his lies or cheating i have strong thoughts that he is having an extramarital affair I, at least for the enjoyment sake, uh, I think he's at least for the, he's a bisexual based on his attitude. I've been praying for him. How do I make sense of these thoughts? Will he ever change and be loyal to me? How to remain calm or how to act wisely when he's violently aggressive
0: and self-harming? Oh boy. There's so many questions like that. Another one is there, got it very clearly. Are you allowed to marry if your spouse is still alive or does it depend on what really happened? In other words, are there exceptions to this rule? These are all marriage questions. Oh boy. So how do you answer? I know we have to be wise about all these issues because. I have to answer in a way where I have to deal with those who are already married and I have to answer in a way those who are growing up and thinking about getting married will think twice before they get married. Hmm. These are real issues. We get a few of them, but this is almost the norm in the world. And I'm not talking to the world, I'm only talking to the church. Okay, so... Mm -hmm. Let's, let's talk about how do we put it across. The marriage has already happened. There are kids involved in all these cases, if you have noticed, the two cases we read, because we don't have to read all the cases because they're kind of similar, similar. similar. So there are already babies involved in the cases. First, let me talk to those who are not married in the church. Don't be in a rush. Hang in there. First, you need, like I said, first you need to understand what a marriage is. What did God intend by marriage? And second thing, when these things happen, separation, both cases, it's separation now. And divorce happens. The ones that suffer are the children. The fact of the matter is very, very rarely does a child come through without scars. A child that has gone, parents have gone through separation and divorce. Very rarely. They come through scars. That's why God said, I hate divorce in the book of Malachi. He's not talking about hating divorce for the sake of divorce as such. No, he says, because what it It does does to children. Because first it is the image of his relationship with Israel and Christ's relationship with the church. Okay. So he's not saying he hates divorces. He's saying he hates divorce because what does it do to the family? And the family is a basic unit over there. You know, if you, if you attack the basic unit, like you this whole thing, if you go behind the plaster, you have bricks. You want to break this house down? You can do it brick by brick by brick. You can take it down. And the enemy is very good. He, he attacks the individuals. The, sorry, he attacks the families through discord, separation, divorce, and he attacks the individuals through sin. No? And you will see the the world is full of single parent families. The divorce rate in the church and the outside is practically the same. And it is it is terrible. And the issue is we are not looking at the world. Our, our job is not to judge the world, our job is to judge ourselves. The issue is what has happened to the whole idea about marriage no and uh, and even now even now what we're saying is that what are we building our children for what are we preparing our children for what are we preparing our children for? <laughs> I'm talking about especially let's 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 look I look at... I look at life scripturally, okay? You, make, you can call me any names if you don't like what I say. But I always look at scriptures. I look at life scripturally. The Bible is very clear about it. We are putting in so much for the ed- education of your, chi- of your of your girl children. Oh, okay, Children should be educated. I'm not saying they shouldn't be educated. But what are you making them into? A mother one day? A wife one day? Or a career person one day? You know the mess the world is facing? It's the day when the mother went out of the house. Mother went out of the house. The home fell apart. Mother went out of the house. And the roles got confused. The man doesn't know what he is. The woman doesn't know what it is. So you don't know whether it is a father or a mother. Things changed. And suddenly everything one by one by one by one by. We broke it down. And then finally what is happening. Now Your houses with two fathers. Houses with two mothers. Children don't know what it is. Everything that God had put across. We broke it down. Why? Because we wanted a lifestyle. It was all about the lifestyle. You ask the children who are from separated homes, divorced homes, what would you give back to get your home back? They said, we'll give up everything. Even if it is one room, If we can get our home back, we will give it. We think our children needed more things. No, they didn't. We needed more things. We needed more things. We, the children did not need more things. We made them that way. We thought things substituted time, family, affection, all those simple things that makes life, no simple thing. We thought that was what was important. So we substituted with things and things and things and things. And now what do we have? Houses full of things and no children. No homes. No homes. Full of things. No children, no homes. Families are all broken. They are talking about why did COVID-19, uh, this thing uh, work in Sweden so well without uh, lockdown. Sweden is one of the Scandinavian countries. There was no lockdown. You know why? Because almost every house has only one person. They live alone. As soon as the children are like teenage, they walk out and they get their own house. They don't stay with their parents. So there's no need of social distancing. That's a land of social distancing. Without a virus. Without a virus. You know. You have to realize when God gave the law to Israel, the entire thing is based on a family and a community full of families. What was all those festivals for there? You come together Mm. as a family. You come together. You sit at the table. It's whole because God is a family man, He's not a career man. If he's a career man, then Matthew 6.33 should be taken out. You have to go after things and you have to work from morning till evening. You have to store up everything. He didn't say, I will give it to you. You put my priorities first in life. I'm a God of people, not of things. We messed it up. And we are not even willing to change. And another generation is doing the same. They are still worrying about their children. Worrying about the children. Online, 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 online. Now we are sitting at online classes, online classes, online classes. For what? I am not saying you should not study. I am saying the pressure we put on children, we are teaching them, God is not first. You can do the same thing without putting pressure on them putting pressure on them. You don't put pressure on child and unconsciously, unconsciously we are telling them success in the world, the career in the world, meeting your needs in the world comes first because we are tense. <laughs> we are tense because we don't have a walking and a living relationship with God. We didn't keep life simple. Life simple. You know? And what do we always talk about? We always talk about the marks of our children. What do we then forwarding everything? Markless. You think all these lists are there in heaven when we go? I'm not saying that you shouldn't do academic. Please don't misunderstand me. I'm saying our focus is completely wrong. Focus is complete. We still don't trust God with our provision and with our children. We don't. We still don't. Two of the most exemplary career people were Joseph and Daniel.
1: Mm.
0: You know what their parents did? Taught them to put God first. That's all they did. They put God first all their life. You want to talk about career success? You cannot go higher than that. Okay. okay, so we need to realize the trouble people are facing and parents. Okay, I'm telling you, and I'm talking to Indian parents, even if you're Christians or non-Christians who are listening. Your daughters are not a burden not a burden. You always think about daughters as a burden. Marry her. Marry her off. Marry her off. Oh, she is growing. She is growing older. Now what will happen? Nobody will marry her. Why do you think about a child as a burden? Why do you think as a child as a burden? Before I die, I have to settle her down. Hmm. Why do you, Why do you think these thoughts? Where is God in the whole picture? I'm not saying that your daughter shouldn't get married. I'm not saying your daughter should not get it. But where is, where have you factored God in all this? Where is God in all this? And they rush into, and all these things that have happened, you will see probably in all those cases, the parents are responsible. Yes. It's true. The parents are responsible in all these cases. I would definitely say the parents are responsible. Rushing them to get married. Rushing them to get married, and they will do a superficial study. And boy is good, he's got this figured salary, and he's got this tag born again, and they get in and after that it is a mess. It's a total mess, you know, because you are not doing what you should do. That you know, marriage is the most important decision you make after your salvation. And you get married to the wrong person. the Life is hell for that person. On the other hand, the marriage is right. The Bible talks about it. it's heaven on earth. You have purpose. The husband and wife have purpose. Yes. And you're raising up a set of children who have purpose, purpose. in God's kingdom. Not only now for eternity. Yes. The purpose. So you have to look at life that way and marriage that life, that way. And now you look at and who are the ones who suffer? The children, the children and the mothers. In many cases, the mothers oh. suffer. Okay, not in all cases, but in many cases it is the mothers who suffer. And always the weight is upon the believer. See, in both cases, the women are believers, the husband is not. So he cares too hot hoods. Cares too hoods. And parents are like old fashioned, they don't even understand today's men. Or women for that matter. You don't know what this man is. Is he gay? Is he bisexual? We don't know even know what people are today. Look at what the child is talking about. I don't know whether my husband is bisexual. And if let us imagine he is bisexual. What do you want your daughter to be? Married with two children, this fellow brings some disease and gives it to her? What is a rush and hurry in everything? And people do not realize the price innocent people have to pay because we change God's kingdom completely. We change God's order completely completely pushed people into things because of our worries and it very rarely did had to anything or people jump into it too; they fall in love it's a fall that's why in English it's called fall they fall in love and they get married okay I'm not saying falling in love is wrong but we have two marriages side side by side one was arranged marriage which was Isaac and Rebecca walked out very well until he grew old the other one was a love marriage. Jacob fell in love with Rachel. The first love in in love at first sight is Jacob meeting Rachel by the veil. well. Hmm. You will know it is love at first sight. Before he said hello, he kissed her. <laughs> <laughs> Finished. Finished. Then at his wedding night, he ends up with the wrong woman. The father-in-law is chalu. He said, okay, let me pass off both of it to this guy. Okay, and even remember, you married this girl, you looked at her looks and you married her and after that it is only trouble. She is even the same thing. So he said, you don't give me a child, I will kill myself. Okay. Love went out of the window. Poor fellow worked for 14 years to get her. And she's saying, you don't give me a baby, I'll kill myself. You have to realize we are not, the problem, the issue is that, especially a generation that has come up, we have so much knowledge available of the word. But you are perceiving everything else except, except the knowledge the of God. Amen. So what you have is very immature men and women getting married. So what happened? Even though William Bendick abolished child marriage, what is happening today primarily <laughs> is child marriage. <laughs> it's ch- child marriage that is taking place. Two children. <laughs> okay, child marriage which is taking place. So what is happening over there is that. Two people in their 20s, 30s are married, but the two children fighting all Mine, now, nah, nah, toy, nah. They are both fighting with each other instead of walking together. And you know, and everybody has a role to play over it. But in these kind of situations, what do we do? Hmm. What do we do? What is the answer? The answer is hang in there, hang in there. Okay, let me, let me put across, we've got three questions I will put across. If you go to the Gospel According to Mark, instead of going there where they ask a question about divorce, okay, if you come to Matthew 19 19. and verse 3, okay, because let's look at that and let's give the rest of this time to this major issue about family. Matthew 19 verse 3. The Pharisees also came to him, testing him and saying to him, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for just any reason? Okay, any reason. Okay, You need to realize under the law Divorce was pretty easy. Yeah, hmm. Pretty easy. Go to the two places in the book, the law. Deuteronomy 24, verses 1 to 4. 1 to 4. When a man takes a wife and marries her, it happens she finds no favor in his eyes because he has found some unclean in her. And he writes her a certificate of divorce, puts it in her hand, and sends her out of his house. That's it. Do see how it is? That's it. Oh, wow. And when she has departed from his house and goes and becomes another man's wife, nothing is stopping. Only thing she needs to have the certificate of divorce. she does not have the certificate of divorce, she will be stoned to death for adultery. But if she is a certificate of divorce, she is free to marry any other man. If the lat- la- latter husband detests her and writes her a certificate of divorce, now, and puts it in her hand and sends her out of his house, or if the latter husband dies, who so took her as his wife, then a former husband who divorced her must not take her back to be his wife after she has been defiled. It's an abomination to the law. Okay. You, you, you I mean, we are not looking at the fourth one, the first. One. You're looking at about how life was under the law. Mm. Why? Because there is no grace. Understand there is no grace. So all these are concessions under the law. So are all concessions under the law. Go to Exodus 21 verses 10 and 11. If he takes another wife. Okay, so there was polygamy under the law. People had more than one wife. Mm. He shall not diminish her food, her clothing or her marriage rights, marital rights. He has to take care of all her needs. And if he does not do these three for her, then she shall go out free without paying money. You know, with a set of people, <laughs> no grace. Mm. The law is trying to protect the rights, yet why live in hell fighting with each other? Take your certificate Jesus and go. Of the and of Jesus your, will tell why Moses allowed it. If you go back to, go back to Matthew, Matthew 19, 19 and verses 4 to 6. Okay, 4 to 6. Jesus answered and said to them, have you not read that he who made them at the beginning, he goes right to the beginning before the fall, made them male and female and said, for this reason, a man shall not leave his father and mother, shall leave his father and mother, be joined to his wife and the two shall become one. He says, just because marriage as an institution has failed, the purpose of God has never changed. Mm. A thousand marriages may fail, but that does not mean people should not get married. There may be one successful one in the middle of it all. because so That was God's intention. And he answered and said to them, Have you not read? Yeah, we, we jumped from five. Have you not? Yeah, for this, the two shall become one flesh. Yeah, flesh, flesh. So then they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let not man separate. They said to him, Why then did Moses command to give a certificate of divorce and put her away? Mm-hmm. Right. He said to them, Moses, meaning the law, Mm. Moses, the law. Why does the law allow it? Because of the hardness of your hearts, permitted you to divorce your wives. From the beginning it was not so. Mm. Yes, it is simply because of hardness of your heart. Okay. And you know why divorces take place? Simply because of hardness of heart. One party or both parties is not willing to reconcile. I'm not going to change. You want to live it like this, it's fine. This is what I am going to do. I am going to drink. I will go with that woman if I like. You don't tell me to change. You want to stay, you stay. You want to leave, you live. Hardness of heart. that simple as that. That is the reason marriages break up. Simple reason. You, sh- you see, marriage is a union between two people where there is no third party insurance. Most marriages break down because there is a third party comes in. And whether it is a man or a woman, they will say, don't interfere with this third party. That's what is happening. And the Bible says about marriage, again it talks about remarriage. I say to you, whoever divorces his wife except for sexual immorality? He says, I give you one condition. He says, for divorce. Divorce, he says, I allow it for adultery. Because it is like killing your marriage. Death. It's like death to your marriage. Yes. Okay. Killing your marriage. So marriage has died. I love it. But even there under grace, God expects forgiveness, mercy and reconciliation if possible. Okay. You need to understand how grace works. Grace works only. You know what the disciples answer was? If this is the case. You know, For come further down, you'll see what the disciples say. Disciples said to me, if such is the case of man with his wife, it's better not to marry. <laughs> Who is saying? Disciples. Disciples are saying. John and saying, ah, if that is the condition of marriage, I don't want to get married, please. The youngest. <laughs> they are saying, I don't want to get married. See, everybody wants his freedom in marriage. But marriage is a covenant where you forgo your rights and take up your responsibilities. Wow. Forgo your rights and take up your responsibilities. But even the disciples are saying, oh, in that case it is better not to marry. Okay. Now you have another situation in the new covenant. What we call the new covenant situation. This is still under the law. Jesus is speaking to the people of the law the grace has come in. So you cannot talk grace to people who are still under the law until grace comes in. Because to overcome something, you need the power of the Holy Spirit. No. The Holy Spirit has not been released. Let's go to Corinthians chapter 7. First Corinthians, 7. First Corinthians chapter 7. Yeah. 12 and 13. But to the rest, not I, not the Lord, say, but it's already written, so the Lord is sanctioning. No. If any brother has a wife who does not believe, and she is willing to live with him, let him not divorce her. If a man, woman has a husband who does not believe, but if he is willing to live with her, let her not divorce him. This is a case. This is a true case of what actually happens, okay? Like in both the cases, I don't think the men are believers. They faked, probably got a baptism certificate also from somewhere. They faked it. They said they are believers. They got baptized also to get married. And what happens over there? He said, if he is willing to live with her, let her not divorce him. If she is willing to live with him, let him not divorce him. It's talking about a scenario, a case, okay? Let me be very, very careful about it. This is a scenario where there is no abuse. Hmm. abuse. All kinds of abuses are there in a marriage, substance abuse. Can you imagine a wife married to a guy who is a drug addict? Physical abuse. Emotional abuse, alcohol abuse, or a guy is gay, but a society doesn't allow it. Allow it. I'm talking about real case scenarios we face as pastors in counseling. You no, know, because one of the good thing is that when you go abroad, they will come and talk to you because they feel comfortable talking to a pastor. Oh, comes from outside. Comes from outside. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you real case scenarios where the families have got this guy, or the father and mother probably knows the guy has got a tendency towards men and gets him married to a girl and keeps it secret. Poor girl has no idea at all what she got into. You know what he wants? He wants unnatural sex with her. And then she goes through hell, condemned. How do you counsel, counsel people like this? When you're a visiting pastor, what do you tell them? What do you tell them? Hmm. So that is why I tell pastors, shut your mouth and don't lift the law. A man cannot divorce. So I said, you have no clue what they are going through. Hmm. For that woman who was brought up in a very conservative, really godly kind of setup, believing this is what and she dreamed her dreams and all about. It. Now she's getting sodomized every night. What do you say? What do you say? Okay, so you need to realize what the Bible is talking. about. the Bible has an answer to all our situation. Go to First Corinthians, chapter seven, itself, ten and eleven. Now, to the married, I command: Yet not I, but the Lord. A wife is not to depart from her husband. But even if she does depart, let her remain unmarried or be reconciled so you know what i do as pastors as pastor, i said i suggest separation for a season you don't have to go through this you will end up committing suicide (laughs) you'll end up going into depression discouragement living on pills your house will fall apart you may end up having a kid or two kids you know and you will be a depressive, sad, miserable woman or whatever case situation is like. So what I say, suggest suggestive is that go to your parents, sit with your pastor, talk to them and separate. You can't go through abuse. You can't lift the law and say, no, a man should, a woman should not depart. What? Do you know? Don't worry about society and all. Society does not matter. It's irrelevant. This is your life. Who cares what society thinks about? Don't worry about society, because much of these things which is being done is for the sake of the society. What will people think? Your daughter, people will come 15 times. What happened? Your daughter is not married yet. What happened? Has she any problems? All kind of junk, The pressure of the society, taken off, and you look at your child. This is my child. I am willing to wait for my child. I am willing to protect her. What does scripture says? Let her? Remain unmarried. or be Let her remain? Uh, yeah, no, no. We are looking at now. If the to the married, I command yet not a wife is not to depart from her husband. Mm. But even if she does depart, why does she depart? Because there are major issues in the marriage. She's not divorcing; she's departing. She's not divorce. As long as there is hope, you give them a window of time to reconcile. Because you always have to understand the fairness of God's justice. He never condemns or punish and punishes the innocent party. The victim, yes. The victim. In many cases, you will see one or the other spouse is actually a victim. The mm-hmm. person was willing to give everything to have talked to women. Oh my gosh. They were willing to give anything and everything to save their marriages for the sake of their children. But the problem is you talk to that man, you will realize, oh my god, you need to get an award. How did you live with this man? How did you live with this man? You know, the brute. Brute. But they need help. So you have to look at actual situations in life and you have to tell them, you know, that's why I said don't rush into marriage. Marry in haste, repent in leisure. You have to put your feet down, foot down and say no, I'm gonna pray through it all. No, but that's what the poor child is saying. All my life I prayed. All my life I prayed. For a believing husband. And this is what I got. Where did I go wrong? No, I'm telling you that God will work out something for you through that. I want to tell you both, both the children. I want to tell you is that if you are there listening to us today, God will honor your faith. Hang in there. Hang in there. Okay? And hang in there. I would, I would say like, you no, know, these are illegitimate husbands. They're illegitimate wives too. <coughs> you know, what I'm saying is that they don't care about the home or the children. You know, See, there are a lot of people who use one words from Corinthians 7 and get married. You have to, to cut the whole picture of marriage in the Bible. It's better to marry than to burn. I tell a fellow who is burning and who is not prepared, you burn and die, don't get married. Mm-hmm. If you don't know what a, to be a father and a husband and a home is, you just burn, it's okay. We'll add some fuel to it also. Now, people isolated pick up scriptures and it is written in scripture. Yeah, but did you realize what the whole picture it is? No? You think God wanted Israel because he was burning? He was creating a family. He's a, he's a father. He's creating a family. Okay, he was a family. He was creating, he wanted children and he's so incredibly loving and kind and patient with Israel. 490 years he withstood their unfaithfulness to him. He was a real husband who saw his wife sleeping with other men. If you want to put it to adultery and idolatry. 490 years he was patient. 70 times 7 he was patient. He was patient. You know finally what he did? Jeremiah 3-8. Finally, God also got tired. For all, I, then I saw all the causes for which backsliding Israel had committed adultery. I had put her away, given her a certificate of divorce. And yet, her treacherous sister Judah did not fear, but went and played the harlot also. <laughs> That's what I'm telling us. Be very, very careful. All these fundamentalist preachers, God hates divorce. God hates divorcees? No. <laughs> you know why? Because he himself is a divorcee. So be very careful when you pick your theology without reading your Bible. God hates divorce. But he has incredible compassion for people who have gone through unbelievable pain and suffering in their marriages. He understands why. Because he went through that every day for 490 years. He saw the woman he had chosen playing spiritual adultery every day. Different, different. And he put away Israel, hoping Judah would remain faithful. And he said, Judah also went and played the harlot. Played the harlot. So he understands the pain of all these dear sisters. Who are here, and he says, I know. I know what you're going through. I know. I understand. I went through it everything. He understands better than us because his spirit his spirit feels more than right. your body or your soul can ever understand. So you have to understand what the Bible is actually talking about. Yes, God hates divorce. Why? Because of the violence it involves. First, the violence between man and woman who are supposed to be two. Hmm. Sorry, it's supposed to be one. one. The violence and the violence that happens before the children. You know, father, the children, the mother. I will tell you, divorce is the worst case of child abuse. You know why? Very rarely do children get over it. They get used to a lifestyle which they are never supposed to get used to. That was never meant to be their lifestyle. The lifestyle they are supposed to be used to is a loving father and a loving mother and a very protective household where there is kindness and love and same objective, serving God and His purpose. God is the center of that house. That was supposed to it. The house broke apart. Parents went two different ways. Children managed to live. They get along. We say they're getting along with life. No, they are not. They will. You see, you are a, you, let us say, you are an orphan. And you grew up, born and grew up in an orphanage. You don't know what a home is like. You may be very comfortable, but you don't know what the norm is. You don't know what the norm is. The norm is this, the father, the mother, the children. God is a family man. The whole family on earth gets its name from God. So we have to realize and see how it is. So there are questions that are asked. I would always suggest where there is abuse and violence involved, Separation for a season and see and pray your way through. Pray your way through. The Bible is very clear over there. Okay. Chuck Swindle is an old, I don't, I think he's still alive. Chuck oh, he's passed He's passed away. okay. He was a very, very, oh, caught. Chuck Swindle is still alive. Still alive. No. He Chuck, didn't pass away. Charles. No, not okay. Chuck. Old, no. old no. man. Yeah, no. Okay. Chuck, he has given his three prescri- three cases for marriage, divorce, remarriage first case is what we looked at where the mate is guilty of adultery morality and is unwilling to repent and reconcile he he says even i i also accept that even in that case even if there is adultery involved i would prescribe reconciliation repent forgive reconcile God will honor you and God will bless you with double the grace. Because if a marriage can be saved, God is for it. For it. Demand much from you, but God will be for you. That is the best case scenario. Otherwise, divorce and God allows the innocent party to remarry. Justice. Then, 2 Corinthians 5.17. Second case. Because I have to give scripture because I kind of agree with what he's saying. He's a very, very old, senior man of God. He must be in his eighties. He's close to ninety now. He's close to ninety, 90 now. now okay, still, preaching. Of, still preaching. Still <laughs> preaching. Okay. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Meaning you are married and divorced before you get saved. Before you got saved, this does not apply to you. Hmm. You are a new creation, Christ Jesus. Okay statutory limits of the law has passed. You are not bound by anything that happened to you before you got saved. Okay, so please don't get saved and be condemned for things which happened to you before you got saved. It is not seasons of ignorance God has overlooked. Okay, so you were married when you were a Gentile or unbeliever. You got divorced and now you got saved. God says you are free, go ahead and see that you marry a believer. Be equally you. Okay, you have to be equally open. Third case scenario is First Corinthians chapter seven and verse seventeen. Fifth, but if the unbeliever departs, you are married to an unbeliever. Okay, or the woman is an unbeliever. You got married, then you got saved. Okay, whatever whatever scenario it is. In these both cases, you have two sisters. Married to practical unbelievers. If he departs, bye-bye. I want my divorce. I am leaving. Let him depart. You are free. A brother or a sister is not under bondage in such cases. For God has called us to peace. Means you are free. And I look at it in that cases, they are free to be married. A man who will accept you with your children. A godly man. Wait. God will bring a man into your life. If you can manage it without that single, it's also fine. But you are not under bondage. You are free. The other fellow has gone. He married somebody and you are still under bondage. No, he says you are not under bondage. You are free. You are free. Because this is the unbeliever departed. He abandoned it. This is the case of what we call of abandoned. He abandoned. He says fine. I am leaving. Bye bye. I found somebody else that is my soul mate. You know, and I am leaving you and going. He says you are free. Don't be under bondage. Let him go. There are many kinds of bondages. One is the spiritual bondage. You go into it. That fellow is with another woman and you are in spiritual bondage. Know what God has put together. No man can separate. I am going to fast for 40 days and wait for him. God says, come on. Let go. Why are you in bondage? He is free. In the flesh. Because he is not in spiritual bondage anyway. Because he, does, he is not even safe. You are the one in bondage now. Mm-hmm. You are the one in bondage. Let him go. If he single... And the issues were not major. You can still fight for it. No, you have still fight for it. But this is not what he's talking about. The issues are major issues. One, it is about faith. It's about another woman, whatever it is, and he's departed and gone. What are you sitting here and okay? If you believe you have the faith, you can wait. But the Bible is very clear about it. You are not in bondage in such cases. That is why I say, where do you get your strength from? Your strength comes from the word of God. Your strength comes from the word of God. That is where your strength comes. If you look at the word of God and you look and the spirit of God shows you, shows it to you and you realize, you know what? This is there. Fine. I am free. And I am not going to be in bondage. I will pray for him all the days of my life. Like Saul says, you will not see my face. But I will pray for him. Bye bye. No free. But when there are children involved, especially, I would say you have to give it everything possible. To save your marriage. Because a child deserves it. They are the innocent victims. The issue was between you both. Why should they suffer? But if it is an abusive, abusive marriage, then you need to protect yourself, and you need to protect your child, your children from that abuse. Because we don't want your children growing up in that abusive, violent atmosphere. They can flip one way or other way. Either they can become so gentle and meek because they saw all this abusive or they can become violent like that father. They also start beating up their wives when they get married. So you have to protect your child. You have to think about the next generation. The next one I have to protect. So you have to make up all the, But don't do it in isolation. Go to godly people. Go to your pastor. Go to your parents. I will tell parents also, please sit down and listen. When your children are married and comes and talks, listen to them. What is their problems? No, God has an answer for everything. But telling to all the people who are separated, who are divorced, let me tell you. God loves separated people, married people, and divorces. He loves them all. Okay, You need to realize Jesus' ministry when he actually begins his ministry. One of his first ministries is to go to a woman who was divorced five times, and was living with the sixth one. One of his first ministries is to go to a five-time divorced woman under the law. Certificate. One man after another gave her certificate under the law. And the sixth time she is living with another man in a living relationship. And Jesus went to meet her and restored her. Please look at scripture, pastors especially, because I've seen this cutter-hardened pastors who create even more trouble. No mercy, no kindness, no tenderness. They're already broken. They're already going through. You know, and they don't understand the tenderness of God as a father, as Jesus Christ. Imagine the father telling the son, he's sent to the children of Israel, and the father wakes up and says, son, you know what? today you need to go where dad to summarize Summer are they not half breed yeah i know you need to go there why because there is a woman a woman yeah what kind of a woman daddy Well, oh, she's been married five times and divorced five times and she's living with the sixth one okay. okay daddy i'll go you know the tenderness of god and he goes there and he's so kind he knows the system very well he's jewish she's samaritan they don't talk at all they're like brahmin and dalit they won't talk at all and he's got these 12 chalas going with them she will not come at all so he told all 12 of them go to the town get food why do you need to send 12 people to buy food for 13 people what like if i were to send sammy to buy food if lockdown was dead sammy would take the bike peter will sit at the back and peter will come there holding it right two people 13 pe- 12 people to buy food for 13 people. Why? He wanted them out of the way. Because he knows if they are there, she will not come. You have to go through and read between the lines the heart and the kindness and the tenderness of God for broken people. And all these are broken people. When I look, I get depressed when I see this. I empathize with them. What brokenness are they going through? And who is there? Who understands Because you go to your parents, it's not that they don't understand. Many of these girls, what they do, they will not tell their parents because they already know my parents are old and they will worry their heads out. My mother has high BP. My father has had already had two strokes. If I go and tell them, he will die of a heart attack. So they suffer this. They can't go there. Here it is abuse. They can't go there. And they live life like that. So somewhere there has to be a church which understands, which is kind and caring and say, you know what? We understand. We understand. And that's my Jesus. He understands. And he says, you know, come to me. All who are weary and heavy laden. Why do you think all those sinners and prostitutes and all these broken, all were going to me? Because he said, come to me. And he had, he never per- per- perverted justice. But I believe was the most, compassionate. scripture says when he looked at the crowds, he had compassion on them. Compassion. And like Pastor was talking about as a shepherd. What does a shepherd need? If the first shepherd, when he looked at the masses, what did he have? He had compassion. compassion. He has compassion. He knows what we are. You have to compassionate levels. You have to have compassion for that man also. <laughs> you don't know what he came through. He must have tripped. You no, know, how do how boys trip? You know, is always a challenge when you go to school or this thing. To, you, by unconsciously you get into this gang. The gang will tell you, "Come, try this." Try this, try this. And he doesn't want to try because family, home, this thing. Then he says, hey, chudia lo, ya, to, hai ya." all that this thing, finally he tries. And before you know, he's hooked to it. He's hiding it from his family. Because if he tells his family, the family will beat him up. And he grows like that. Then they introduce him to different, different, different sexual things. And before you know, he is a mess. And but it's all covered and all, all done because there are no open homes open homes who will receive children when they come home broken because parents wants perfect children everybody wants perfect children that's why I love I always will tell you. why did I love Madhulika so much because she was one child nobody wanted to take her because she had a cleft palate and she looked ugly but she didn't look ugly to me because I looked into her eyes she had have twinkle in her eyes why was she thrown in a garbage bin why was she thrown because everybody wants cute babies but don't, we don't realize every baby is cute. Every baby is cute. And we want perfect children. The problem is when our children come with their problems. The problem with the children is also that when they come, they want us to accept them as they are. That is a prodigal son. Can I have my bedroom and make it into pigsty please? That's my space. I'm sorry son, you can't have pigs in my house. No, but I like loving living with pigs. Okay, I'll give you the money. Go and live with the pigs. But you can't bring the pigs home. That is the other extreme of parenthood. They will make the house into a pigsty because you know what? I don't want you to go away. But if you go away, what will I do without you? Now You don't love him. You love yourself. Mm. So the sword of the spirit has to cut through all this division to know do we really love people or are we in love with ourselves? prodigal son's father gave him his provision and allowed him to go. But that's not what parents do. They will allow him to have his pigsty in his own house. You can have it. You can drink. You can do whatever you want to do in this house. It is fine. Please don't leave. That's all I tell you. Don't leave. What will people think? Let them go. Because these are all connected with marriage, home, children, and everything else. Because God will allow these things to happen. Mm -hmm. in lives. Why will he allow it to happen? One, because sin came in. Second thing, he's making us in his own image. What is his image after man fell? Kind, compassionate, patient, merciful father. If your wife, like my common example, if your wife is an archangel and your children are cherubims, where do you get the character of God? Where do you get the character of God? My wife is a cherubim. The children, look at them, seraphims. And you, the devil. Because you never change. You never change. You never change. But when you have Mrs. Lot or Mrs. Job hmm. and a Phineas and a Hophni, then a Samuel will grow in their midst. He looks at Eli, he looks at Mrs. Eli, looks at this He looks at Phineas and this man in the midst of it is becoming a kind, merciful, compassionate, patient, loving, shepherd of Israel. He grieves over Saul. Can you imagine? He grieves over Saul. Why did he grieve over Saul? Ask the question. Why did he grieve over Saul? Because he is the only man, I think, who saw the grief of Eli over his sons. We all judge Eli but he was a father and he grieved and he was a godly man. He's a godly man. He not an ungodly man. His sons were ungodly. He did not restrain his sons. That was filial love on the wrong side. I believe he saw his tears. He saw. And I believe he like long to Samuel in his young days. Okay. So there are so many things over there in the Bible which you do not see. And you allow the Holy like what I said. You have to read the entire Bible as a study of relationships. This is how man has dealt with man and God has dealt with man. And suddenly you realize this is the character of God. This is how God wants me to deal with people. And then you will realize that's how a marriage is built, a home is built. So, so my two sisters. Yes, Pastor Vijay. So
1: I I just wanted to make one observation, Pastor. In other words, there is no relationship which can satisfy us other than a relationship with God. Every other relationship is bound to fail. Not
0: necessarily. Not necessarily. Because then we are saying that the human relationship is already tuned to, to faith. No,
1: unless, unless,
0: unless. No, no, well. What I'm talking about, imagine you have a wife who's absolutely sold out to God and you are a man sold out to God and you were brought together by yeah, God. Yeah, precisely. It can be fantastic. It, what if Isaac did not uh, have an eating disorder? Can you imagine what a family it would be? What a family. The issue was with his eating disorder. Otherwise, he was an incredibly godly man. He waited 20 years to have his children. Fasted and prayed every day. There was no issues in the marriage at all. The marriage issue came in because of an eating disorder and he lost focus. He lost focus. But I believe marriages can be fantastic marriages. Otherwise, God wouldn't institute marriage. Marriages can. If, uh, if something which God has instituted cannot become perfect, then the institution itself is wrong. Oh, like God tells man, be perfect. If it's not possible, will he say that? No, no, it's possible. So if marriage, a home can be heaven on earth, then it is possible. Yes. It is possible. So that is the reason yeah. he says marriage yeah. is but honorable and all. Yeah. In the thing, in mm. the it's honorable. In the thing is that you have to go through the process of marriage according to what God has said and build a home according to what God has said. Then it will work. No, what I'm saying is The only issues you will always have is which I, I would I would say that you shouldn't be having issues so much with your spouse, you may have issues more with your children. Hmm. Because children are a different thing. This is supposed to be one. Wow, yes. So when God has said the two are supposed to be one, that means He's already proclaimed something over it which is possible. He never said the father and children are one, or the mother and the daughter are one. He said no, you are two. You are meant to leave one day. But he has said this is one he said it was not so from the beginning Mm. so there was a oneness in the beginning and there is a oneness at the end so marriage will marriage will survive tribulation judgment everything because there will be a marriage perfect marriage at the end at all so he says there is something that is possible here there is something that possible here but in that you both have to be led by my same spirit Mm. Same spirit and you have to understand God's order in it all and all, and you will realize it works. It really, really works. Because otherwise we are already negating what is possible. Then you will know everything you have to look by faith into the word of God. Yes, it is possible to have an incredibly satisfying, godly, blessed marriage. One, two. It is possible to have an incredibly godly family and race of children who can rise up like think about I mean. Think about Joseph. Who would ever bet on Joseph turning out right? Yes. His father had two wives and two concubines. Right? you talk about a dysfunctional home, it is that. His mm. mother died early. His eldest brother slept with his father's concubine. Two of his brothers were murderers. All of them were liars. But he turned right. So my question is, if one can turn right, isn't it possible all ten could have turned right? Yes. Yes. All ten could have turned right. Okay. Could have turned right, you know. But my, look at it over there, we learned from all of them. Abraham's mistakes, we, but we can't blame them because the law isn't there. So even under the law, they could marry multiple wives. So you can't blame them anything by that. Okay. They were going by whatever law was available in the system. But the fellow who had a nice, peaceful marriage for a long time was Isaac because he had only one wife. Mm. but he was successful I would say he was successful as a son he was successful as a husband he failed as a father
1: mm.
0: his failure was as a father at the age of 40 his father looked for a bride for him this guy is least bothered he so goes and marries one then he goes marries another the father is not ever involved in the lives of these boys unlike his father so if you look at him he was successful as a son he was successful as a husband he failed as a father. Abraham did not fail as a father. Mm. He was successful as a father. He shall command his children. You see no command of Isaac with his children. Yes. The parental authority is gone. I don't know what what happened inside those format. I don't know what caused him to lose that. Became disinterested. I don't know what happened. What happened, I don't know. So You look through all these homes each of these fathers, each of these mothers, each of these wives and all over there and you look over there and you will realize, yes, Abraham was a good father. Sarah is called the great holy woman. Others are not called. So you look at it all and, says, and each one picks it up and says, you know what, I want to be. There are models kept mm. over there. The ultimate model is Jesus Christ. Mm. Ultimate model is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was the best father, best husband. He was also the best wife in relation to us he is the husband. In relation to his father, he was submitting in all things as yes. unto, as a wife is submitting to her husband. So both ways he shows us. He tells the man, this is how you lead mm. and love. He tells the woman, this is how you submit. Mm. So we learn from him. Okay, But if you cut out that possibilities, then no, you always have to hope. Faith and hope goes together that it is possible. Only thing is that once the world creeps in, it is impossible. It is a world that causes. That is why the woman and the man has to be of one mind. Mm. How they look into life. That is what it means, one. It's not a physical one. It is talking about the way they think Think. is one. And that is where the discord comes. You know when the discord came? Now people will tell me misogynist and all. It started happening when... Girls went into secular education, men went into secular education and not Christian education. Secular education changed your thinking. Secular education is not asking you to be one, asking you to be independent. It causes you to think independently, ultimately become independent. That causes men and women, ultimately become selfish, not selfless, selfish. the man and the woman cannot think they will look at outward things that keeps them close and they think when they get married they realize you know what we think absolutely differently Mm. and this even this book will not bring them together because one will not agree to that book so to my dear children who wrote today I would say hang in there if you think your husbands are if your husbands are abusive they are having extramarital affairs I would say stay with your parents, talk it out, pray it out, but don't jump into anything. Don't, don't do anything because both of you, I see both of them are pregnant, right? Only one of them is pregnant. Yeah, one is pregnant, one has got a little baby. So it is, you also going through your changes because it's difficult, very difficult. It is not easy, but hang in there, I would say hang in there and uh, to the, Brethren who asked about abortion might say absolutely from the word of God. It is a no, no. But if you have done, sisters, don't feel guilty. Go to Jesus. Put it right with him. He will take the guilt and the shame away. And if you have no guilt and shame, better have it. and Then let him go remove it. Mm. Mm. Better Amen. have it. Amen. Okay? You need to have some guilt and shame about it. You took your child out. Okay, so please understand, see everything through the eyes of the Word of God. We'll close it for a day. Oh, we've crossed 10 o'clock today. Oh my gosh. Okay. Hmm. Yes, Pastor Vijay. It was marriage and home. Pastor so Peace we had to, we had to take time. It was Sunday night too. These are things which are close to our heart, God's heart issues. Yes, abortion, please. suicide, marriage, divorce, remarriage, separation. Oh boy painful things. All are painful things. One of the most traumatic things. Most Most traumatic traumatic things. things, Which man goes through and God goes through. If we feel it, please remember our God God has very strong feelings. And He hurts as a father. Let's pray. Father God, Mm -hmm. we just come to You, Lord, in the name of Jesus. We just thank You. We just praise You. We just worship You, Lord. There's so many hurting people out there, Lord. Sisters who are hurting. Maybe children who are hurting, men who are hurting, lost. But you came to seek and to save the lost. That has never changed. You are still seeking. You are still saving. And your hand is still outstretched towards each one of these dear ones. And I pray, Father, that the hand of God will be there upon every hurting wife, every hurting mother, every hurting child, every hurting father, every hurting husband, Everyone who is hurting, parents who lost their child to the suicide, women who aborted their children, whatever they are going through, Lord, I pray, Father, you are the God of all comfort. You will convict them and you will also comfort them. You are the one who will cut us, you are the one who will also heal yes. us. Yes, yes, It is into your hands the nail-pierced hands, I release all these dear ones, O Lord. Comfort them and heal them. I pray, Lord, let there be hope in their marriage. I pray you would touch these wavered husbands, O Lord, and restore them. Even now as we pray, I pray and we pray, Lord, all those who are hearing also will agree. There will be a quickening in the hearts of these men, Lord, that they will give up their wicked ways and they will return home. These are prodigal husbands, O oh Lord. They will come back home. I pray this would be a time you will turn the hearts of fathers to the children, children to the fathers, husbands to the wives, wives to the husbands, all around the oh father, I pray. Let this be a season of reconciliation, O oh Lord. And I pray every demonic entity that has captured these people, suicidal spirits, homosexual spirits, bisexual spirits, these are all abomination and unclean spirits Lord, Mm -hmm. that's what your word says So we take authority in the name of Jesus of Nazareth and I command these unclean spirits to leave their bodies and their minds in the name of Jesus of Nazareth and I pray there would be a cleansing they would be cleansed and sanctified and set apart oh Lord, and I plead the blood of, of Jesus over the children the little ones, protect them Lord Protect them. Protect them, Father. Protect the children. Let these not affect their innocent souls, O Lord. Protect them. Guard them, Lord. Send your angels to watch over these little ones. Let them grow stable, Father. I pray all these dear ones who wrote will find a stable church, a loving, believing, understanding, believing family, Lord, a church where they can find rest. Thank you, Father. We commit the rest of the night into their hands. Be with each one of your dear ones. Bless them and keep them. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Amen.